0: Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of Storytime for Weirdos. This episode continues the Becoming saga, first heard last year in The Becoming Day 1, which aired in March. I woke up, sore and blurry eyed. Had it been a dream? No, I was on the ground under an overpass. Ate two granola bars and an apple and drank some of my water. I saved the jerky for lunch and figured I had enough food for one more meal after that. There was enough cat food for a few more days. Monica was her usual self as she ate. The arch of her back and stance said, Thanks for the food. I contemplated that for a moment. How did I know that? Was I just being delusional? After a couple years of living with her, I had developed a familiarity with her body language. This felt more specific. How are you talking to me? I said out loud. I always talk to you. You only listen now, was her reply, expressed in a glance, a change in her ear position and twitch of her tail. In the distance, there was a noise like a jet engine. Time to get going, I said. I didn't look to see what her reply was as I hefted my backpack and left the cover of the overpass. The trails in Van Cortlandt Park were overgrown, but I was able to pick my way through the brush. The soreness faded as I walked, and I was able to process some of what had happened yesterday. "'when I came across a branch about as thick as my wrist "'and a little longer than I was tall. "'I recalled the two needle-tooth men "'that I had encountered in the clothing store. "'This might come in handy "'if I ran into something like them again. "'I picked up the branch "'and peeled the bark off of it while I walked. "'I moved out of the park north into Yonkers. "'There was still a wooded path, "'but beyond the trees there were buildings and streets.' Smoke rose from random directions, and buildings looked abandoned and damaged. The trail ended, and I had to walk along the streets for a short way to pick up the old Croton Aqueduct Trail. I felt exposed and could hear shouting and cries in the distance. I hurried along, crouching behind cars periodically to get my bearings. A sign indicated the location of the trailhead a few blocks up Broadway. I scurried past a burned-out corner store, what looked like houses that had burned to the ground, and a church. The trailhead was around the corner and across the street from the church. The old Croton Aqueduct Trail was wooded and pleasant. There were homes that backed onto it in places, but it was usually buffered by trees and brush. It would occasionally intersect a street, and I darted across these quickly. The path was somewhat overgrown, but passable. I didn't see many signs of life, but I could smell smoke and see the occasional fire. There were no signs of the terrifying flying things or jet engine noises. Around the middle of the day, I was considering stopping to rest when I heard a cry just to my left off the trail. A tingle of fear went through me, but I quietly moved through the underbrush to get a look. Down the trail embankment, on the other side of a hedge, was a clearing. It looked like a semi-tended lawn. A woman lay on the ground, and looming over her was a large man with green skin. I slipped closer through the hedge. "'You're in my yard, little lady, when I find on my land is mine to eat,' said the man, around a pair of tusk-like teeth protruding from his lower jaw. The woman kicked at his legs. "'but he easily avoided the blows and grabbed her right ankle. "'I had no business picking a fight "'with the seven-foot-tall green-skinned brute, "'but I wasn't about to let him eat this woman either. "'Your mama is so ugly, "'she confused looking at you for looking in the mirror,' "'I said as I emerged from the hedge. "'I was an expert at insults from years of roast battles "'in the New York comedy clubs. "'This was not my best work,' but there was an edge to my voice that had never been there before The response was immediate he grunted as if he'd been struck he dropped the woman and focused on me and gripped my new quarterstaff in both hands as he charged at me his fist sizzled past my head I jabbed the butt of my staff into his gut he let out a gasp as the wind left his body and he staggered back his fist clenched and he made it as if to strike at me again there was a hollow knocking sound and the brute fell forward onto his face standing behind him was the woman holding a heavy cudgel we looked at each other for a moment she was tall blonde and thin pretty with an almost ethereal grace as she stepped over the prone monster at her feet thanks she said no problem i replied "'He's still breathing. We should get out of here,' she said. "'Yeah, there's a trail over this way,' I said, pointing back the way I'd come from. I continued, "'Uh, I'm Scott, by the way. I'm Sarah. Nice to meet you,' she replied. "'Do you mind if we travel together?' she asked, somewhat rhetorically, as we were already through the hedge and climbing up the embankment to the trail. "'No, the company would be nice,' I replied, "'as if this was a hike and a park and, an, and not an apocalypse scenario.' We walked on the trail for a short while. Do you mind if I ask you about uh, what happened to you, she asked. I don't know what you're talking about. I was born three feet tall with pointy ears and a nose the size of Kansas, I quipped with a smile. She She smiled back. I'm sorry, it's just that it happened to me too, I think. What? You woke up yesterday thin and blonde with flawless skin? I asked again with a smile. Actually, she pulled back her hair to reveal a delicately pointed ear. I woke up yesterday in my retirement home, young, thin, and blonde. Her emphasis on the word young spoke volumes. Oh, that might have me beat, I said immediately, filled with questions. But having just been on the other end of one, I was reluctant to ask. I'm 75 years old, she said. Well, you don't look a day over... Twenty. Sorry, I guess, I said, not knowing what to say. Don't be. I knew you wanted to ask my age. It's what I would want to ask. You look to be about twenty years old, too, she replied. I look like I'm seven, but I'm forty-two, I said. It was only fair to tell her my age. A seven-year-old with a beard is something to see, she said with a smile. I felt my face. I did have the start of a beard there. I'd always been able to grow one, but this seemed rather fast. I used to be balding, too, I said, running my hand over my head, where my hair was growing in as quickly as my beard. This whole civilization-ending thing has had its upside for me, I said. We walked for a little longer in silence. The growth on the trail seemed to be getting worse. Is this your cat? she asked, pointing at Monica. Oh yeah, this is Monica. Monica, this is Sarah, I said. With a twitch of her tail, Monica said, nice to meet you. I like cats. She seems very loyal to follow you. Where did you live before? Sarah asked. I lived in the Bronx near Yankee Stadium, I replied. We kept talking as we walked. Sarah had been a botanist growing plants to make various drugs. She lived most of her life in the New York City area, retiring a decade earlier. Her husband had died two years ago and she had been resigned to a rather lonely life in her retirement home in Yonkers. Yesterday, she'd woken up totally transformed. A group of large green men had broken into the retirement home, stealing food and setting the place on fire. She'd fled, but found that all of Yonkers was beset with bands of green monsters. We hadn't seen any sign of life since Sarah had joined me. The trail ran through the northern suburbs, which were relatively dense, but the homes all appeared to be abandoned and the yards were overgrown, as if they'd been abandoned for months. After our encounter with the big green man, we were both reluctant to wander off the trail, but it was becoming increasingly difficult to navigate. Near dusk, we emerged on a wide road. The trail had crossed small streets before, but this was the first major thoroughfare encountered since Yonkers. The light was fading fast, but my eyes were adjusting and I could see clearly. We walked for a short way on the road, feeling exposed. A shape that I thought was a building turned out to be a wood palisade-like structure. Suddenly, two men emerged from behind it with torches in one hand and spears in the other. It's far enough. Who are you and what's your intention? One of them said. I'm Scott Michaels from the Bronx, and this is Sarah. I realized I didn't know Sarah's last name. Sarah Kent from Yonkers, she finished for me. "'We are fleeing mayhem to the south and need refuge,' I said. "'What news from the city?' the other guard asked. "'I'll tell you all the news I have if you have a place for us. "'We mean you no harm,' I said. "'They exchanged a glance. "'Welcome to Hastings on Hudson,' said the first guard. "'Head down the street, Main Street, to Warburton. "'Take a right and walk until you see the park on the right. "'There should be a town meeting wrapping up about now. "'The colonel is there. He's in charge.' and we'll know what to do with you. Mind yourself while you're here, the second guard interjected. People are on edge with all the changes. We don't want any trouble. We found the park easily. A bonfire was burning on a paved area next to the street, and a gentle grass-covered slope rose up in a bowl shape. People sat in clusters on the grass, and a man stood in front of the fire, addressing the crowd. Everyone has their watches, times, and routes. Two torches for a group of three, and if you see anything, ring your bell. We'll set up new work crews in the morning. Have a safe night, he said in a clear voice. He turned away, and several people approached him for one-on-one conversations. Sarah and I hovered nearby as the crowd dispersed. Several people eyed us curiously. As the last of the consultations finished, the man turned to us. "'Who might you be?' he asked, friendly but guarded. "'I'm Scott Michaels, and this is Sarah Kent. "'I'm from the Bronx, and she's from Yonkers. "'We're looking for refuge. "'Are you the colonel?' I said, offering my hand. "'He sighed and shook my hand, looking me over. "'I'm, I'm Emmett Friedman. "'I haven't been a colonel for years, "'but some people here still call me that. "'What's the word from the city?' he asked. "'Not good,' I said. "'When I left, most of the Bronx was in flames, "'and terrifying monsters flew around.' In Yonkers, he asked, turning to Sarah and offering her a handshake. Rampaging gang of green monsters stealing, killing, and setting fire to everything, she replied. Sounds like you do need refuge. We'll talk more in the morning, he waved at a young woman walking by. Jen, can you find these two something to eat and a place to sleep? She smiled at us and replied, sure thing, Colonel. Emmett sighed and looked at us chagrined. You have a good night now. Get you set up with a work crew in the morning. Jennifer, as she introduced herself, led us to the bonfire where a few people were sitting around and a man was strumming a guitar. There was a large pot of stew next to the fire. We were given ceramic bowls and spoons. Sarah and I ate hungrily. I had eaten only granola bars, apples, and jerky since my breakfast yesterday morning. Eyeing us, Jennifer asked, "'So what's your deal?' We gave her our names and where were we were from between spoonfuls of stew. Um, I mean, what was it like when you changed? What did it feel like? I woke up like this yesterday morning. I sort of remember fever dreams and I felt bad the night before, I replied, setting my empty bowl on the ground with a handful of cat food in it for Monica. She expressed her appreciation. Same, said Sarah, with less patience in her voice. There are others like you here, Jennifer said. People who woke up small and others who have pointy ears. Some of them look completely different, younger, and like perfect. They all say the same thing. They woke up all different after a feverish sleep. I exchanged a glance with Sarah. Thanks. Sorry if I'm short, said Sarah. It's been a long day. That's interesting that we all report the same experience. It's okay. We're all freaked out, Jennifer replied. I think it's good to know others had the same thing happen. We sat listening to the man play the guitar for a while. It was calming. I found myself dozing and Jennifer said, If you're ready, I'll show you where to sleep. She picked up a torch from the stack nearby and lit it from the bonfire. She led us up the hill through the park. We crossed the street and cut through the yard of a home. A man eyed us from the stoop of the home, but waved back at Jennifer when she waved. We crossed a poorly paved parking lot and entered a seven-story apartment building. Welcome to Hastings Terrace, she said. We were too tired to reply. We went up a stair and she opened a door to one of the apartments. This one is definitely vacant. The guy who lived here turned into a green monster and the colonel shot him with an arrow yesterday. There was a hint of pride in her voice as she said it. We lit a candle from the torch and Jennifer wished us a safe night. I locked the door. I'll take the couch, I offered. Thanks, said Sarah, as she walked past me to the bedroom and shut the door. I eyed the candle, debating what to do with it. It was a scented type in a jar. I decided it would be safe to leave it burning. I fell on the couch and immediately went to sleep. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Storytime for Weirdos, a bi-weekly podcast with new episodes posted on the first and third Saturday of every month.